You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. It's Patch Tuesday and time to apply the latest fixes from Redmond. Symantec's August security report is out. Middlemen make it tough to track exploit sales. GovRat continues to afflict networks in the wild. Lessons from private key exposure. Russia says the international order isn't the same thing as the American order. The U.S. and the U.K. conclude a cyber cooperation agreement. More bogus apps for Pokemon Go. And could people soon be asked to stand and remove their hats for city escape? I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, September 13th, 2016. Today is Patch Tuesday and the latest updates from Redmond are out. Microsoft has released a total of 14 security bulletins for September. Seven of them are rated critical, Microsoft's highest severity rating. And the other seven are rated important. All versions of Windows are affected, as are Microsoft Office, Microsoft Exchange Server, and both of Microsoft's browsers, Internet Explorer and Edge. Microsoft is revamping its patch distribution policy in October. This is the last patch Tuesday but one to follow the old policies. Beginning with October, Microsoft will distribute pre-Windows 10 patches in a cumulative roll-up. Windows 7, 8.1, Windows Server 2008, and Server 2012 are all affected. The new policy is controversial among some, principally app developers, who will no longer be able to pick and choose which patches to apply. Microsoft says the new patch delivery system will be easier on users and will help admins avoid the fragmentation of different devices patched at different levels. Whether you agree with Microsoft or the dissenters, remember that patch management is one of the most important steps an enterprise can take toward better cyber hygiene. Symantec has released its August Security Trends Report. It finds a rise in the number of malware variants circulating in the wild. It's difficult to count these, but by Symantec's reckoning, there are some 45.5 million variants out there, and there's a drop in attacks. The disruption and decline of various old standby exploit kits appears to account for this trend. Observers are looking at recent incidents and drawing some lessons from them. Those who've been interested in tracking the sale of the Pegasus iOS lawful intercept tools found on the phone of an Emirati dissident have tracked the product itself to Israeli firm NSO Group. Determining who actually bought and used it is cloudier. It's generally believed that the spyware was installed on the iPhone in question by the government of the United Arab Emirates, but the sale proceeded through middlemen in ways that Motherboard says are difficult to untangle. This is thought by many to be a general problem with the lawful intercept and exploit broker markets. 
The GovRat Trojan InfoArmor described last November is now out and afflicting U.S. government personnel in a version 2.0. It's more difficult to detect than earlier versions of the malware. GovRat can, InfoArmor says, intercept files users download and replace them with malware. StealthBits Technologies' Brad Boosie shared some thoughts on the malware with the CyberWire. Quote, GovRat and GovRat 2.0 are highly sophisticated malware packages that feature the ability to steal files, remotely execute commands, upload other malware variants, and monitor network traffic, he said. The malware is particularly effective because it uses stolen certificates as an aid. The GovRat database also contains about 33,000 stolen credentials from a wide variety of accounts. Boosie advises AV vendors to replace digital signatures and certificates on the grounds that they can't know which have been compromised. He advises enterprises to have users reset passwords. Quote, until passwords have been globally replaced with a new identification system, web and application hosts need to become part of the solution to protect against credential abuse. End users will rarely preemptively change passwords unless forced to do so. End quote. We also heard from Balabits Chaba Kresne. Quote, GovRat 2.0 once again highlights the password threat again as it exfiltrates such data from network traffic, end quote. The lesson he draws from this incident and others is the necessity for monitoring behavior on networks, especially given the frequency with which credentials are compromised. Turning to the threat of the recently disclosed MySQL flaws, patched by some but not all affected vendors, CSO thinks the incident affords an object lesson in the importance of permission management. And the large number of private keys exposed on publicly accessible web servers indicates, says Naked Security, that those who develop firmware for embedded devices shouldn't share or reuse private keys, enable remote administration by default, or let users activate new devices until they've set the necessary passwords. Our reporters are on site in Washington today covering the 7th Annual Billington Cybersecurity Summit. They'll have a full report for us tomorrow, but for now they're sharing what they heard in the morning keynote by U.S. Federal CIO Tony Scott. It's clear that he thinks the biggest IT and security challenges federal agencies face across the board is their dependence on legacy IT systems. He said that adherence to three outdated paradigms, as he called them, are imposing significant economic and security costs on the government. These he identified as technology, organization, and funding. He argues that a large-scale upgrade and modernization of federal systems would constitute the most important steps the government could take to improve not only its IT, but its cybersecurity posture as a whole. We'll have more tomorrow on the Billington Cybersecurity Summit. The Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, along with Compass Cybersecurity, is hosting the third annual Senior Executive Cybersecurity Conference here in Baltimore, September 21, 2016. The CyberWire is a media sponsor for the event, and we checked in with Tony Abura, the Executive Director of the Johns Hopkins Information Security Institute, to learn more. The event is really targeted to executives and senior leadership from pretty much every industry. Everyone is so concerned about cybersecurity, namely protecting their data and uh, defending against intrusions of their systems. And those are the topics that we cover uh, in this event. Uh, we go over different types of cyber threats and statistics. We talk about different types of attacks, especially this year we're going to go in depth into social engineering and phishing attacks. Uh, we're going to talk about emerging technologies, uh, including cloud storage, data encryption, 
And we're also going to talk about a really important topic, which is the human element of cybersecurity in the enterprise. So it's going to be a, a, an information-filled day. We try to make it a one-stop shop for people to really get a great idea of what's going on out there in cybersecurity. And, and you've lined up quite an impressive uh, array of speakers. Uh, give us some of, the, some of the highlights, some of the names of people who are going to be speaking. We've invited some of the heavy hitters, for instance, Lori Craner, who is with the Federal Trade Commission and also with Carnegie Mellon. Um, and the, the Federal Trade Commission is playing an, import, uh, an increasingly important role in cybersecurity policy and regulations. We have Donald Good from Navigant. Uh, we have uh, Bob Olson from uh, our uh, partner on this from Compass talking about the security landscape. Uh, we have a couple of people from the Applied Physics Lab at Johns Hopkins talking about, uh, this is fascinating, the anatomy of a breach, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, this is uh, what they do day and night down there, study these, uh, these types of attacks. We also have several panels in the afternoon covering uh, different events. Uh, we'll have participants from different industries such as um, insurance, banking, financial, and uh, high-tech industries. So who, who's your, your target audience? Who are the people who, who really, uh, for, for whom this should be a, a can't-miss event? The key people that should attend this event uh, are leaders in companies who really need to get a lot of information, be able to survey the landscape uh, in one day. That's what this is designed for. Tony Abura from Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. The event is the third annual Senior Executive Cybersecurity Conference taking place in Baltimore on the Johns Hopkins University Homewood campus, September 21st, 2016. And we at the CyberWire are pleased to be media sponsors of the event, and we hope you'll check it out. U.S. discontent with Russian behavior in cyberspace, especially with what are generally taken to be Russian influence operations intended to call the legitimacy of U.S. elections into question, recently led Defense Secretary Carter to warn Russia against attempts to undermine democratic institutions and the international order as a whole. His Russian counterpart, Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu, hit back yesterday, you too, he said, in effect, and said that the international order mustn't be mistaken with the American order. Part of that international order, of course, is the long-standing tradition of close cooperation between the United States and the United Kingdom. That relationship grew stronger this week with the conclusion of an agreement of increased cyber cooperation the two nations concluded. We feel somehow we've been neglecting Pokemon Go, not having mentioned it for a few days. Did you miss your Pikachu gossip? Well, there are fresh warnings from Trend Micro that bogus apps are redirecting Pokemon trainers away from the Google Store and into what Wired called spammy rogue app stores. Catch them all, but don't catch anything else. And finally, since everyone's worried about elections, let us give you something else to worry about. Online petitions. Did you know that a petition has reached the White House with sufficient signatures to require action on a request to change the United States national anthem from the Star-Spangled Banner to Sonic the Hedgehog's City Escape music? We don't know, but one of our stringers is disturbingly interested in this. He says he wants to make America fast again. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. 
It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to welcome Emily Wilson. She's the Director of Analysis at Terbium Labs, one of our research partners. Emily, welcome to the show. This is your first time with us. So uh, by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thank you for the introduction and happy to be here. I am Emily Wilson, as you mentioned, kind of Director of Analysis at Terbium Labs. Um, I didn't come to kind of dark web data intelligence by whatever you might think of as the normal route. I have a degree in international relations from the College of William and Mary, spent a lot of time looking at Russian foreign policy, and now, thankfully, Russia has come back into focus. So It certainly has. Uh, that's worked well for me. So, um, so yeah, I direct a team of analysts over at Terbium, and the work that we do is based on the idea, we like to say, that defense, while necessary, is no longer sufficient. The idea that um, dark web data intelligence isn't kind of a single problem you need to manage, it's an ongoing issue, and that more likely than not, your information probably will end up online somewhere where it shouldn't. So give me a, an idea of the types of research that you all are doing there at Terbium. Sure, great question. We are actually in the process right now of putting together uh, a formal research paper, kind of demystifying the dark web and looking at the realities of the information that appears there. Um, one of our technologies that, that we use at Terbium is this kind of massive scale uh, dark web crawler. And so using that same technology, we're able to go through and ask interesting questions. You know, what is the dark web? What kind of content appears there? Is it legal? Is it illegal? Is it mostly drugs or weapons or fraud? Or questions we get often, you know, are, are the terrorists there? You know, can I, uh, can I do human trafficking through the dark web? And so we're putting out this research paper to answer some of those questions. All right. Well, Emily, welcome to the show. We'll look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.